welcome to another episode of Coherence Talks, the podcast about software craftsmanship, software development, and all things technology. Jared. Uh, I am Jose, Jair Huerta, uh, on Twitter and LinkedIn, and I'll be your host for today's episode. And I have the pleasure to have with me as a guest, Avi Noda. Um, Avi is a programmer and researcher focused on uh, helping leaders measure and improve developer productivity. He's currently the CEO of DX, uh, a developer insight platform designed by the researchers behind Dora and Space. You may have heard about them. And in addition to DX, Avi also runs an engineering enablement newsletter and podcast covering the latest research and perspectives on developer productivity. Prior to that, you know, you've been a CTO, you've uh, sold the company to GitHub and so on. So Abby, it's a pleasure to have you here with us to talk about precisely this topic, developer experience, which is something that is coming up more and more uh, in the conversations now in, in the industry. And I guess before we dive deep into this topic, um, Tell us a little bit how you got into this thing about developer experience and maybe even what is developer experience? Yeah, well, it's, uh, well, thanks for having me on the show, by the way. Uh, really excited to, to be here. I uh, kind of fell into the developer productivity, developer experience problem space by accident. Uh, you know, many years ago, I was working as a developer and got promoted into being a manager and a few weeks into that job, the, the CEO of the company came to me and said, hey, Abby, all these other departments, marketing, sales, are reporting metrics at our monthly executive meeting each month. Could you bring some metrics to that meeting around how engineering is? Doing? And I thought, I mean, that's a reasonable ask from, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and as I started thinking about the problem, I, I had trouble actually figuring out what a good metric might be. I thought about, oh, maybe the number of story points. And I thought, oh, my team will murder me if I suggest that that becomes <laughs> uh, I thought about, anyway, so then I, of course, started reaching out to mentors of mine, CTOs who'd, who'd been doing this much longer than I had. And I got all kinds of different responses. I remember one CTO telling me, well, I don't, use any metrics because I'm very fortunate to be in a position where I don't have to. <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> okay. and, oh, we measure cycle time and number of commands. Mm -hmm. And so I realized that this was a problem that no one really had a clear answer to. And you know, that really has sparked a now a seven year journey. I, I tell people I've been doing this too long, twirling my <laughs> thumbs on this problem too long. Uh, to try and figure out how do we measure productivity and how do we not just measure productivity, but how do we use those insights to actually improve productivity? Yeah, and, yeah that's, that's yeah. usually, now it's not only what to measure, but then what do you do with that information afterwards, right? And, and yeah. that's, that's key. Um, and again, as a, as a topic or as a term, the, you know, with the publishing of, you know, Dora and space and all of these things that have, recently come up there's the McKinsey article uh, recently as well like all of these things like what is a developer experience right like we talked about metrics and yes getting this and understanding the context and how to improve on that quote-unquote productivity you know uh, but when you talk about developer experience it's it's a bit more than just productivity right 
Yeah. So we've spent, I want to say we, I'm myself and our team here at DX, which includes uh, Dr. Nicole Forsgren, who's the creator of Dora, the lead author of the book Accelerate, uh, Dr. Margaret Ann Story, uh, another co-author of the Space Framework. Uh, we've spent the past few years trying to figure out uh, answers to questions like this. Uh, so I can give you the sort of literal definition of developer experience based on our research. And this actually uh, wasn't an easy task because uh, to define developer experience, you need to actually define what does experience mean? Uh, and there's actually a body of literature from psychology that actually explores this. So I'll spare you the the details of that. But, you know, the definition is how developers think about, feel about, and value their work. Uh, and so really developer experience is the encapsulation of the, the positives and the negatives, the, the delightful moments and the friction points and frustrations that developers experience in their day-to-day -day work. And the relation to developer productivity, I, I'll give you kind of two answers to that. Um, the easy way to think about it is that uh, in knowledge work, which software development is, is a form of, we can't just measure things like output or speed, right? Uh, you can't measure things like number of lines of code because number of lines of code aren't all created equal. Same with tickets, same with pull requests. Uh, with knowledge work, it, it's you know something that's one line of code could take 10 hours. Something that's 50 lines of code could take you know, a minute. And so it's really difficult to measure. And so developer experience is a way of actually measuring productivity through the lens of developers themselves. Uh, and so when you look at literature on knowledge worker productivity, for example, uh, this is this is the solution that, uh, you know, literature points to is that we can't measure knowledge work and software development the same way we measure the Toyota manufacturing facilities. Uh, we need a different approach. Uh, another answer I would give you is that you can think of developer experience as the input for productivity, right? If we want productivity, uh, I mean, we can look at different things. We can look at, okay, how long is are things taking? Uh, how much is getting done? Those are signals that can be valuable. But if you're really trying to optimize productivity, you can't really do that unless you focus on the experience of developers and understand what's actually holding them back. And by improving those things, by eliminating obstacles, reducing friction, uh, what we ultimately enable is for developers to move faster. And so we get more productivity. All right. So let me, let me go. You, you pointed at a few things in there, right? So one is, is an experience. So it encompasses not only the output of the work or the, the productivity aspect of the work, but how people feel about it. So I'm guessing. This involves things like where things are hard to do, like you can be very productive, but it can be like a very demanding task, no, or very uh, unsufferable task. Uh, and it could also mean, how do you feel about what the work that you're doing uh, as well, right? So all of these, all of those things are part of that uh, experience, right? And the outcome, no, is, is that, you know, more gets shipped no better things get shipped etc etc yeah right so that's that's exactly. kind of the the idea no and when we when we look at that what would you say are the um the elements of no i i mentioned a few like how people feel about it etc but are there any other aspects of that experience that you think are key 
in order to get that you know positive experience overall now that, that is what we're looking for yeah so we've written two papers uh, about developer experience that kind of provide two different ways of looking at this in our initial research on developer experience we identified uh, 25 socio-technical factors that uh, most highly impact developer experience and these are things ranging from tools and infra infrastructure so you know local development processes uh, builds automated testing test coverage uh, development environments uh, and also encompasses human factors like do you have clear requirements for the tasks you work on uh, do you feel able to freely share opinions and speak your mind do you have clear direction on what the team is actually trying to accomplish uh, so we identified 25 of these different factors and in a more recent paper uh, published this year in, in ACM, we provided a more simple conceptual model for how to think about all these things together. And we is provided space, just- This is a space uh, framework uh, paper or is it another one? No, this, is, uh, this was published after space. Yeah, beginning of this year in ACM titled uh, DevX, what actually drives productivity. But uh, yeah, co-authored by Nicole mm -hmm. uh, and Dr. Margaret Ann Sturry. And in this, we provide three dimensions so feedback loops, cognitive load, and flow state. Uh, and that's a simpler model for thinking about, okay, what, what is it that actually drives developer experience? So feedback loops, and then we all kind of intuitively know what that means, but you know, it's how it, quality it, and speed of doing. Is no, kind of exactly. like, am I doing, how am I doing? Are we there yet? Now is the feedback loop. <laughs> well, there's human feedback loops like that, but also the technical feedback loops. Like, you know, if you're in your IDE, how quickly do you get feedback on, you know, changes you make or how quickly can you get code reviews or how long do build processes take? Uh, cognitive load is, uh, you touched on this earlier, is both refers to the, the inherent difficulty of doing things as well as unnecessary difficulty, right? I mean, if yeah. you're trying to deploy something and your team hasn't documented how to deploy, your, your accidental complexity kind of, it's no, it's like avoidable it's, complexity. That is exactly that is it's it's not inherent to the problem that you're trying to solve, but it's exactly. there, right? Because of how incidental you your solution. Yeah, yeah. And then there's uh, flow state, which encompasses not only the ability for developers to to be able to do deep work, yeah. uninterrupted time mm -hmm. to to really get into the zone as you would colloquially uh, describe it, but, mm -hmm. but also encapsulates things like motivation and energy, you know, feeling actually motivated to, to do work. I always joke with people, you know, how do you get developers, every executive out there probably is like, I wish I could just get our developers to work harder. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> and well, how do you do that? I mean, you could set stupid deadlines and try to, you know, Right, carrot, carrot and stick kind of carrot, approach, exactly. yeah, or yeah. you can create an environment where people are intrinsically motivated to and excited about their work, and then they'll be working, you know, all night long. Right? We've all seen that. So, um, anyways, th those three dimensions I just described are a, a simpler way of thinking about. Okay, what what is developer experience made up of? What what are the things we can start looking at and focusing on to improve? So um, why do you think it has been so much uh, a topic now to, to discuss lately? Like what are, because I feel like there might be um, a, a context now that is 
kind of right for it to be something that is that is a topic to be discussed at the moment, especially having gone through COVID, like you know, the, the economy in general, the salaries of developers and, and software engineers and so on. So all these things I feel are kind of creating like the perfect storm for this to be the next thing that people need to look into. No? Uh, so what are your thoughts on that? I think that developer productivity and how to measure it has been always been a top concern for decades because i mean it's just keeps growing as a problem because more and more all businesses rely on software and software developers and so you know being able to quantify and understand that performance accordingly is followed as a as a really top concern that being said i think there are more like recent trends and catalysts for why developer productivity developer experience feel like especially uh, hot topics Uh, I mean, first, let's just acknowledge like our industry is just always going through, you know, one buzzword to the other. So when you really look at the last 10 years, I mean, there's been a number of ways in which organizations have tried to improve productivity. I mean, first it was just, hey, we need to like be in the cloud. (laughs) And then it was agile. And then it was DevOps and continuous delivery. Uh, Now it's like AI, right? Yeah. And developer experience. And so in some ways, look, I think organizations are always just looking to improve and the tool that's relevant at the moment uh, changes and developer experience is, is one tool. Um, but I would say that when COVID happened and there was a sudden shift to hybrid and remote work, there was a lot of interest in being able to measure the impact of that and understand how that was affecting organizations and productivity. Um, And that was a big catalyst that still continues today. Uh, And then more recently, it's been AI. Uh, The the advent of all these new uh, AI-powered tools and development tools, people are trying to understand how does this impact developer productivity? How do we measure the ROI of tools like GitHub Copilot? And so uh, there's always something, uh, whether it's COVID or AI, that uh, resurfaces developer productivity as this really horny... Important uh, thing to look at. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And what would you say, like from a business uh, point of view, uh, what would you say are the main outcomes that people are looking for when they're thinking about uh, you know, improving developer productivity? Like in your experience, you know, what is it that they're trying to achieve? Is it just, you know, we get to ship more code or, or is there something else thereafter? Uh, I would think of it in three things, speed. So velocity of you know, moving faster, that's, that's always a top concern, uh, ease and efficiency. So not just how fast are we moving, but are we, are we really working in an effective way where we're getting so is the this most use? Most effective kind of, no, it's also about optimizing your resources. What you're, what you're yeah. Doing. Are we wasting developer time? Uh, mm. and then lastly, quality, right? Are we building high quality software? Uh, so speedies and quality. It's actually the framework Google uses to think about developer productivity. Uh, but I think it's how I would describe also the outcomes of, you know, a- everything we do around productivity, including developer experience. Okay. And when, um, when looking into that, no, like what are the areas that organizations, cause you know, we, we've been talking about this, we talked about the metrics and they kind of, you know, you mentioned, um, a bit of a framework to try to understand what are the factors that influence that, right? Like influence that developer experience or productivity, right? But if we are talking about our organization, like how do you affect flow, no? Or how do you, I mean, you mentioned some things like automation and so on, 
But I would say that there are many companies that are using these practices, you know, like you know, CI/CD or to the cloud or containerization or all these things that will make kind of your life easier. But they don't necessarily have a great developer experience, if you know what I mean. Like, yes, we we have all of this, but maybe we take you know three months to put something into production, or people are quitting constantly because the system is you know, like all of this. So, so if I am uh, a business, no, and I'm I'm worried about these things. Like, what at least would be the signs now that I need to be looking at this? I mean, the very obvious signs are people quitting out of frustration or uh, <laughs> taking way longer than you think they should. But I mean, on a more nuanced level, this type of lack of awareness, lack of visibility into the developer experience is one of the biggest problems and reasons why developer experience gets so bad sometimes. And so, uh, you know, what we recommend... But you think that, but you think that um, developers don't have visibility that this is going wrong because... No, I, I can understand how lack of visibility at the C-suite level or maybe, you know, VPs or engineering level. No, uh, but the people that are working with the code, they definitely know if something sucks. No, like they will be feeling the pain. I, I guess that's part of the problem. No, like they, they are the ones feeling the pain, so they go away. No, but it never gets up. No, or it never shifts to up as a, as a problem, no, unless it's too late. Yeah, I mean, there's two kind of related problems here. So one is, as you've described, people doing the work feel the pain every day. But the problem is there's often not a way for that to be elevated and communicated upward in a way where the business is going to actually invest or care in doing anything about it. Mm -hmm. And the second reason related to that is that not only are these things not easily surfaced upward at many companies, but they're very difficult to quantify in terms of their actual cost and impact, right? It's one thing for developers to just complain about things. Oh, our builds are slow. Oh, our tools suck. Oh, you know, we're, we don't know what we're supposed to be doing. But if you can't put a dollar tag on that, or if you can't at least benchmark, if you can't show with numbers, it's really hard in you know, the way businesses operate today to, to get the business to invest in care and, and pay attention to those things. And so it's not just lack of awareness, it's lack of concreteness around the problems and translating those into a way that's actually relevant so that business leaders say, oh, wow, like this is costing us millions of dollars due to attrition or lost efficiency or, or whatever. Um, so, so it's kind of a, a, a two-headed problem. So, so there's the economic aspect of it, no, and and basically, no. As you've mentioned before, what is the ROI? No, what is, you know, or how much is this affecting me negatively or, or positively, right? Um, would you say that there is also a, a human aspect to it? Because overall, like, and this is, I, I, of course, we we run a business now, so we know that the bottom line is very important, etc. But it's also important to keep the people that you're doing this with happy no in, yeah. in a sense and not happiness for the sake of but the, the happiness that we were talking about before not like engage with Motivation. the purpose, with the with yeah. the thing with the motivation etc right um so i'm guessing that that is also uh, an aspect but that aspect itself is relatively difficult to quantify yes you can you can put a 
doll assigned to, you know, if I need to replace this person, how long does it take? And, you know, it take for that person to be productive and how long for, you know, for me to find someone who has the right skills, et cetera, and, and, and all these things. But um, overall, would you say that some of what we're trying to address here with developer experience is also taking care of that human or less objective uh, aspect of, of things, um, if I'm explaining myself? Absolutely, but I would share kind of two observations. One is that this companies used to care about this more. They cared a lot more about this, for example, in 2021, when the the engineering talent market became just astonishingly uh, competitive uh, mm -hmm. and companies had a lot of money that they were trying to reinvest, grow their headcount. And so uh, holding on to developers and attracting developers was uh, one of their biggest uh, bottlenecks to, to growth. Even if, forward, even if you have big pockets, even if you have big pockets, it was difficult to get good people to join you. Yeah, absolutely. And then fast forward to this year, and that's definitely changed. I mean, companies are almost looking to to shed headcount in engineering through, you know, uh, layoffs or uh, policies that kind of force uh, resignations. And so, I've definitely seen a big shift where um, a tri avoiding attrition or overall kind of happiness is is less of a priority for organizations where uh, now efficiency and speed are much more of the the primary drivers of focusing yeah. on developer experience all right yeah um no i i would definitely agree uh with you and again it's in the end it's it is a business right like you are uh we we sometimes go too much on the human side especially i don't know if you've heard about this thing like the the competing values uh framework and, and all of this thing but we in engineering overall there's a general culture where you're kind of like focused inside and on you know flexibility so you're it's very much community people etc well whereas if you go to another area of the organization where you have I don't know, marketing or sales etc it's more externally focused and more process driven etc and we tend to have a clash between those, right? But in the end, you need both in order for things to to work out well. And this takes me a little bit to what are some of the uh, resistance now that, that you found, let's say, uh, while trying to help companies do this kind of thing? Because not everyone would like, like when you think productivity, what the initial thing that comes to mind is someone's going to get fired or so, you know, like there's going to be comparisons, right? Or uh, this kind of thing, right? And it's normal for people to kind of feel a bit afraid of that. So tell me a little bit about the experience uh, around that. Yeah. I mean, first I want to clarify, you know, with this whole theme of developer experience, the, the way in which we measure developer experience and provide insights on developer experience is different than what most of us are typically used to in terms of metrics. I've shared with you previously, uh, you know, the way you actually measure developer experience is through a much more qualitative approach meaning feedback and surveys where developers are actually sharing their opinions and reporting their experiences and we're turning that into numbers and measuring those things. And so inherently there's less of a fear, at least for developers, because this isn't like, oh, we're rolling out and we're going to count your commits and pull requests and exactly. measure it's your It's not a, a performance or your activity kind of, it's not exactly. like it says, oh, how many interviews, not interviews, but uh, uh, 
meetings have you had? You know, how many yeah. prospects have you contacted? That kind of thing. No, it's... I'll tell you the biggest challenges I see right now. One is that as much as we all care about productivity and you think all leaders and businesses care about productivity, tackling productivity is actually really hard. And so one resistance I see is that a lot of organizations, especially now, I mean, they're going through reorgs and layoffs and trying to plan their budget. But not all leaders actually have time to focus on productivity uh, at all. <laughs> um, and so, you know, a lot of the organizations that uh, we work with are those that already have an investment in developer productivity. They may already even have a dedicated developer productivity or developer tooling team whose full-time job it is to, is to understand and improve productivity. Uh, the, the second observation is that uh, even for organizations that really care about productivity and are investing in productivity and have teams dedicated to productivity, there's still a real challenge with figuring out how to tackle the problems that exist within each local team. Uh, there's this, I think, view of, I often see at organizations, which is that the leaders, they, they see, they get the data on what's holding their productivity back. A lot of the problems tend to be process or tooling or technical problems that are in pockets of the organization. They're not, it's not like a global problem where you just, you know, rip out Jenkins and bring in Gradle and it's solved. These are very nuanced local problems. And there's this desire by leaders that, oh, teams should just solve those problems on their own. And, but when you go to the teams, what you often find is that they say, if we wish we had permission to work on these problems. And so there's a real tension between this vision of having empowered autonomous teams that can go solve their own problems and the reality on the ground for most delivery teams, which is that product management is telling them what to do. Management is setting the priorities and have no capacity to actually solve problems. And the solution to this, of course, is to, to make a deliberate investment. A great example, Atlassian, uh, their CTO wrote an article earlier this year, uh, just a couple months ago. And in that article, folk, where he talks about developer productivity, they say that they made a change where all teams have 10% of their capacity that they're able to allocate to fixing problems <laughs> in their environment. And so organizations that don't make a sort of explicit commitment like that, as much as they think these problems could should just be solved by the teams, they never they do because teams don't have yeah. time. Yeah, and, and it's usually, um, so, so you touch on very important aspects there. One is making that aspect of improving or whether it's productivity or flow, whatever, no, the, the way that the organization works, making it part of the system. No, so that is yeah. recognized that this is also work. No, delivery yes. uh, is is work. Yes, and making sure that the delivery gets better is also uh, work. Yeah. No, so so that's one aspect. The other aspect is how when you don't do that, a the the areas where it gets solved, it usually is because people go the extra mile and they would you know kind of burn out trying to solve the the thing instead of it being a, a sustainable pace. No. Exactly. Um, and I feel like that's, that's a very good, uh, learning in, in itself. And usually, uh, the, uh, as well as there's a little bit of simplification, as you said, not because 
there's a lot of nuance around, especially in big organizations. Like if you have one team, that's not right. But if you have, you know, a thousand people that are working in many products at the same time, that kind of thing, um, they are going to have different problems. And, and what's important from one is different for the other. The same technology or the same thing uh, may be causing different. Now, for ones, it may be a blessing. For others, it may be just a showstopper, right? So having that approach, when you have all the information, having that approach where, you know, one shoe fits everything, <laughs> kind of approach, uh, or the, the cookie cutter approach is, is definitely not going to work out. So you need something that is a bit more customized, right? A, a bit more tailored to the context of that team. And so needs to be the remediation of that, right? Because the, the, yeah. just the assessment is part of understanding what is happening. Uh, but then you need to put it in practice, right? And and as as I mentioned before, make it part of the system, right? Fixing that thing. But it can't just be a global program that we roll out and everyone is right. going to do the same thing, right? So right. tell me a little bit about that challenge in particular. So the, the companies that do recognize that that needs to be a done, you know, as part of the, the work, right? And there needs to be an investment and a, that they let's say, make a, a, a bet or a conscious investment, not in making sure that that is happening. What are some of the challenges around that in particular? Yeah, yeah I think um, I think the, the biggest challenge is getting to the point where you're willing to make that commitment and at least grant teams the time to fix the delivery itself, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, I think once you get to that point, things do get much easier. <laughs> Because teams are smart, and if you give them uh, time and space to solve problems, they typically do. But the, the biggest thing I think you face then is just uh, enablement. You know, teams actually may lack the expertise in how to solve certain problems. They may not have uh, experienced leaders who can implement processes and tackle you know, the human side of problems. And so uh, to, to support these types of efforts, I've seen organizations really focus on centralized enablement where there is a central team that's putting together best practices, guides. Like a, you know, like a center of excellence type exactly. of, of thing. No, man. Exactly. Or technical coaching on demand, that kind of exactly. uh, approach. Yeah. yeah, sort of a uh, yeah on-demand, like dojo model, sometimes it's called. And uh, so, so these teams are then supporting all the rest of the teams and providing them resources, coaching, and support to, to help them take those next steps. And uh, I think if you have those two things, teams that are enabled to, to focus on these problems and then the resources to support them in doing so, uh, I think that's usually the recipe for success. I haven't seen too many organizations stumble uh, once they get past that point. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, no, you're really right. I think there's another aspect that tends to work quite well as well, which is as part of these centers of excellence, but to, to give them a name or, or schools, let's put it like that, no, or accelerators, if, if you will, no? And the idea of uh, embedding this culture, because in the end, we're talking about a mindset, no, or, or, or a culture within the team and within the organization, right? So, yeah. so that aspect of embedding that culture into the teams and creating other support structures that go beyond, you know, spending three months doing a program or whatever, no, things like communities of practice, no, and, and this type of deal where 
teams can even support each other also helps in that uh, uh, consolidation, right? Because otherwise you just run the risk of, you know, we go back to day to day and then again, product is telling me what to do, et cetera, et cetera. So it's really hard to, yes, we want to do this, but then I'm getting a, a mixed message, no? And, and that's kind of the, that's kind of a, a challenge as well, right? So if I were a company that would like to do some of this stuff, um, or I start working on that. Uh, what are some of the approaches that you've seen? We talked about, you know, the center of excellence kind of approach, um, but there are many areas around this. Now we, we talked about automation. And so there, are there any examples that, you know, jump at you in particular of, you know, solutions that people are, are seem to be working over and over again that kind of improve that uh, experience for people? I mean, one of the biggest challenges is really about the measurement, right? Because if you don't have the measurement part figured out, mm -hmm. it's hard to actually decide where to focus. Mm -hmm. And it's also impossible to know whether any of the improvement efforts are actually paying off and, and having an impact. And so measurement, we've talked about it Good already, line. but yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, measurement is uh, really often the first stumbling block for many organizations. Of course, that's what, what we focus on very heavily when it comes to the improvement part. I mean, you know, we've talked about enabling local teams to, to tackle problems on their own. That's a big one, uh, supporting them through enablement teams that provide, uh, coaching resources and learning best practices. Uh, I think there's of course the other side of, of the coin, which is there are typically cross cutting problems as well in an organization besides just local problems. There is often shared tooling or shared infrastructure problems, local environment problems that are affecting most, if not all the teams in an organization. And tackling those is not really best done by individual teams, but through a mm -hmm. kind of shared resource model. And so, uh, I mean, I'm sure we're all hearing a lot more about platform engineering, team topologies, platform developer platforms. So this idea of creating paved roads for teams for creating, um, you know, tackling infrastructure problems in a centralized way. That's a equally important part of driving improvement. So, so this idea you're saying of, uh, kind of going for a self-service model, but that is, um, that is aligned No, like basically everyone's going in the same direction. There's a vision to what it should look like No. And then you yeah. create the or build the capability within the teams to take advantage of the resources that are put at their disposal when they need them and, and as they need them, right? And you mentioned platform, and this is a, a very common one, like the whole DevOps movement and et cetera. No, uh, yeah. so that's, that's definitely that's one um, come to mind as well. This whole idea of API portals, no, or or. Basically, you're a team developer portal or a component. Yeah. yeah. So you're basically publishing uh, or radiating information uh, in a way in which others that would need to use part of, you know, components that you are owning in your system can, uh, they can use it easily. You know, it's, it doesn't become a pain or it doesn't become a dependency, which is another part of the, uh, of the thing now, like if you're blocking others, no, um, and, and things like this. So overall, yeah, it seems to be like. Uh, a lot of it goes through knowledge sharing, uh, no, and and trying to find ways of, a, of of building up the capabilities within the team so that they they can have that autonomy 
for themselves. No? Okay. Yeah, so looking a little bit more into the culture, because we talked about, uh, the, you know, we, we briefly mentioned DevOps and talk about mindset, etc. Um, do you feel like there is something in particular that is different from you know, something like agility, right? Like this, we, we hear a lot about agile and, you know, agile uh, uh, methodologies and so on. And a lot of these bring in the whole, you know, we talk about lean, now that like you're talking about cycle time and the, all these things. So there is some of that continuous improvement aspect uh, in, you know, baked in into some of these stuff. What would you say is different? Uh, you know, when we're talking about developer experience now? I think the difference is that, I mean, the message of developer experience is really simple. It's to listen to your developers. It's to treat your developers as you would your customers. They're users of the system, meaning the processes and tools, right, in your business. And so, uh, whereas the agile movement or continuous delivery were quite prescriptive in terms of, you know, do this, right? So with agile, it was like, don't do waterfall, work iteratively. With continuous delivery, it was don't ship in huge batches, ship continuously. With developer experience to, if you want to get better, like if you've already doing agile and continuous delivery and you want to get better, ask your developers. That's, that's really it. It's ask your developers. That's, that's what's, I mean, it's, and it's not so new. That's not some groundbreaking concept, uh, to ask your developers what, what's holding them back. But when you look at organizations and how they are actually trying to approach transformation and productivity improvements, surprisingly asking developers is often a pretty critical missing piece of, of their strategy. Do you feel like there is a, like, why isn't this getting to more people? No, like there, you have the papers, you know, Microsoft, and there, there's a few big companies as well that are heavily invested into this kind of thing. Um, why do you feel it hasn't become more of a, why is it a, a missing piece? They're asking people, like, it, it seems like a very simple idea, right? And, and common sense even, no? So what are your thoughts on that? What do you think is, is holding it back or is, is preventing the, uh, the proliferation no, of this idea. So Google, some researchers, productivity researchers at Google recently wrote a paper. And in the paper, they have this really hilarious line. They say, they say, uh, software developers are humans. And they say, it seems like this would be obvious, but we have to state it in this paper. And it's, it's true. It's true that all too often leaders and businesses, you know, view their developers as these uh, laborers, right? People who take in ideas and requirements. The, the and odds in the machine kind of hogs thing. Hogs in the no, machine. Like, exactly. It's like do what you're there to do now. And that's exactly. kind of how I can con. Exactly. And, and that, that is a, that is, I mean, when you look at, human history and when you look at factories and kind of productivity and you know the, the 18th and 19th you know century that is it's, really what it was <laughs> it's a bit of a, a legacy of the Tayloristic era exactly. right like the the whole scientific uh, management scientific management etc yeah. Et yeah and so really i think it's 
just a shift that's really starting to take hold now where we're confronting that finally for knowledge work. And I think I would disagree a little. I think it has taken a long time for us to get here, but I think developer experience really is is growing like right now in Mindshare very quickly. Um, you know, I mean, it's Gartner, InfoQ, everyone's, mm-hmm. it's the new, you know, top, hot topic next to AI. And so uh, I think that's, that's a positive trend for our industry and hopefully it continues, but it has taken us a long time to get here. Uh, that's, that's for sure. But I think, uh, you know, things just, it's, it's a hard kind of way of thinking to break out of the, the, the more Taylor, Tayloristic. Uh, sort of viewpoint. Yeah, and I, I I completely agree. There's a lot of learned behavior, uh, I think. Um, and I think is it, it may set off with with a generational component as well. You yeah, know, I think that this is this is something that we are now seeing now where you know millennials are starting to go into leadership positions, and then you yeah. have that, and and there's a different in approach and developers, well, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so all of that, I feel like it's a, it's getting there. It's maybe not as fast as as some of us would would like it to be, uh, but it's definitely getting there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, think of, uh, yeah, think of who are CFOs at Fortune 500 companies, right? They grew up in, it was before knowledge work existed. Now, if you fast forward forty years, maybe the CFOs will be former developers who actually understand what software development is. Um, I also wanted to share this observation earlier. There's also a cultural component. Uh, in my experience, we see actually European companies, I think much more attuned to things like developer experience than US companies. Companies. Uh, and right. I would suspect there's a cultural component there of just values and you know, kind of ways of thinking about uh, work that are a little bit different, uh, culturally speaking, that are interesting. Oh, that's a very interesting um, that's, that's a very interesting point. Um, and so so looking forward then, how do you see the future of developer experience? Like can you like what's on your mind? Would you project I don't know. I know this is a big ask. Yeah. Right? Like we don't know what's gonna happen the next hour. <laughs> Probably not definitely not the next year. Or so what what do you think is ahead of us for the future on this? I think that qualitative measurement and feedback approaches to understanding developer productivity will become standard. Um, you know, today it's a little bit still atypical and sometimes even controversial, the idea of surveying your developers to ask them about their experience. Uh, we, of course, in big tech see that it already is standard. Uh, but when you look industry-wide, I think it's not, and it will become standard uh, pretty quickly, I think, in, in the next several years. I think there's a large body of research that, there's a, similar to AI, there's just a lot of research that's needed to understand all the different facets of developer experience and approaches to measuring developer experience. Uh, when you look at adjacent fields like uh, psychology or even employee experience, uh, there's or user experience even there is a rich rich body of ongoing literature and research uh, that exists that does not exist yet at all for developer experience there's to my knowledge only like three or four papers two of which i've been a part of that are mm-hmm. focused on developer experience currently uh, so there's a huge opportunity there 
Uh, I think also that the third one is I think, and it relates to to both of the two, that I think we will bridge the gap of being able to better translate developer experience into dollars. I think that's a real challenge. To give you an example, I've spoken to multiple leaders just in the past couple of weeks who've come to me and said, hey, I'm trying to convince our CFO to that we should pay for GitHub Copilot. But I don't know how I can just prove the ROI of it. That's a real problem for something that to developers is so obviously a, a major boost to productivity, yet we're still unable to quantify that in concrete ways. So I think uh, it will really unlock things for industry and for innovation and new products and approaches when we can actually quantify their impact in economic terms. And I think you know, that's something I'm really trying to focus on myself, but okay. I hope that one way or another that, you know, solutions emerge. We will get in there. the future. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Like, I think that is definitely, a, uh, cause we are very good at, uh, at measuring costs, but not so much at measuring opportunity, you know, or what we could gain from, from the thing. And yeah. with something like this, which is relatively new, like Relatively new is it's about to like things like AI and so on and these yeah. and other which are aiding software development and transforming software development in many ways, like not just removing friction, but even changing how we think about some topics. No, and they are bouncing very fast, but because they're bouncing very fast, there isn't a lot of a uh, examples that you can draw from. No, there isn't a lot of research no or or evidence now that this actually works so that still all needs to be created and needs to be assessed and and then you can maybe draw from some of that and and justify even more investment no to some extent but Absolutely. it is it is it comes very often right for us as well it's like hey first is the business case right but yeah. if you're only, you know, you're really good at getting the numbers for the cost, but not so much for what you're going to get after, then it, yes, it becomes a, a blocker in, in that mindset. No? So, um, yeah, I completely, completely agree with you. So going now into, uh, into some of the polemic that has been happening lately you know i i've mentioned the uh, mckenzie article uh very rarely recent i don't remember maybe it's a couple of months now uh where they say yes you can measure developer productivity and then there's a response from ken Beck and uh, i think it's gregor something like yeah i'm not the engineer guy Jerge, yeah uh-huh um saying hey you know you're thinking about this wrong right and you know you have metrics and metrics can be perverted usually that's the case when you're trying to use them to drive productivity no or performance right, right. so so what is your take on this because there i, I read both uh, articles and there are things that i like actually from both but i wonder what your uh, what your thoughts are yeah i think i mean in many ways i i agree i mean the the, the mckinsey piece is kind of you know, a little bit shallow and disappointing and kind of regurgitating ideas that have already existed and ideas that have already been debunked, <laughs> uh, you know, through through our experience and, and research. Uh, but I do think that the point I kind of 
disagree with in a sense, not, not to defend McKinsey, but, you know, I just kind of empathize with people who are facing this problem, uh, that, you know, I think Kemp Beck is very much a developer himself and sort of anti, you know, management, uh, uh, maybe that's not fair, but you know, he, he has a yeah. very particular philosophy and uh, Gergay is similar. And, uh, but the reality is if you're paying $5 billion per year, and I've talked to organizations that spend $5 billion per year on software development, you, you want it well while you're buying. Quite, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and you want to know if it's good and you want to know if it's getting better. And so, uh, you know, we, we have to all acknowledge that we need to figure out a solution to that problem. Um, you know, we don't want to encourage bad ideas. So, you know, some bashing of that article was in order, but, um, at the same time, no one's really solved it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, it's and still it's a something. question. No, they, they, exactly. they, they, they has no concrete answer, right? Because exactly. even, even right now, like, uh, things like, uh, you know, space, et cetera, they're, kind of scratching the surface, right? Like they're trying to provide some structure. As you said, there's a lot of research going on and so that, but how it gets applied and how it becomes something tangible for your organization, it's still very much at the moment, pretty much a guessing game, no? Or at least following following what you, what people are saying, which may not necessarily be the right uh, answer, no? To, to, Absolutely. To, to the right solution. So, so yes, there's a lot to to be done there for sure. So is there anything now to kind of uh, close because they're almost on the hour mark? Um, is there anything that you would recommend uh, in terms of the resources? Of course, you know there's uh, there's your blog and newsletter. Uh, there's definitely get the X or get the X There's the company website so people can find more about that uh, there. Uh, but are there any other resources that you would encourage people to look at if they want to understand this a bit better and maybe start taking some steps into bringing it up in their organizations or or improving their lives no? to, to some extent? Yeah, I would suggest uh, for folks who are interested in kind of, you know, taking the next step with some of the concepts we've described that you know, the best place to start is a really simple survey uh, in your organization. And if you're interested in trying that, uh, we have a free guide. Uh, mm -hmm. We'll, you know, give you the link to add to the show notes. We'll put it get, in the description as well as yeah, yeah, know that. So getdx.com slash devx dash survey dash guide. And, uh, you know, provides uh, tips for, for how to, learn about how other organizations are doing this and how you can get started on your own. Uh, if you're interested in actually just getting a, a free template for a survey uh, out of the box that you can use, uh, we haven't published that online yet, but if uh, folks want to just reach out to me over LinkedIn, happy to provide a link to that free resource as well. That's perfect. That's perfect. We'll, we'll put that as well in the description. Okay. Well, Abby, it's been an absolute pleasure having you uh, here with me talk, discussing this uh, topic. I I love it. I I would be speaking <laughs> for a very long time, but yeah. you know, we have constraints, and uh, you've already been so kind to lend us some of your time. So uh, I don't want to take advantage of that. 
and uh, yeah hopefully you know we'll we'll meet again maybe do some other episode or or something and uh again a, a pleasure having you here hopefully yeah you can come back enjoy the conversation yeah thanks so much for having me on your show